0: Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play, powered by BlueBet. Gamble responsibly. call 1 800 858 858. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Perfect for all occasions and the ultimate crowd pleaser. Drink responsibly.
1: Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data.
2: Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell.
1: I reckon we're about a
3: fortnight away from the biggest football story of the year being confirmed. And in my mind, that is a new team. A 19th team in the competition and Tasmania's team being greenlit for entry. Every club has now given their feedback to the AFL, whose commission sat last Saturday to discuss, amongst other things, The latest when it comes to a new team. And the vast majority of questions have now been answered. And the vast majority of gripes have been silenced. If there are one or two two clubs who have not given their full support yet... It is more around the clarification on issues ranging from protecting their own financial distribution from the league, fixturing, the blockbusters, if you're playing Tasmania twice, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. The main issue remains, has been the case for some time, the funding of a new stadium and who pays. Now, the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, was in town last week and he's said to be positive. The One issue is the financial commitments can be hard to secure, a course, unless there's an election involved. And that could be, who knows, two years away. So no one's going to wait that long. But the PM is said to be on board given ongoing discussions between the Tasmanian Premier Jeremy Rockliffe, the AFL, and the Tasmanian Task Force as well. So the 18 club presidents who have received a summary document from the AFL have been told that a Tassie team will bring in an extra $23 million under broadcast modelling, given the extra games. Now, that is said to be 6 or $7 more than initially forecast. So when it comes to the handouts from the league to clubs, the presidents have been told Tasmania will receive a base plus a small variable amount, basically what the wealthy clubs get now under the existing model. To be honest, it probably should have happened by now and perhaps if Peter Gutman was still Premier of Tasmania it would have. The stadium cost $750 million is considered the maximum. The AFL believe that's at the very, very top end and you might say they would always say that but they believe a figure around $550 million to be more likely based on their analysis. We know the Tasmanian Liberal Government is contributing $375 million. The typical deal for regional centre is dollar for dollar State and Federal Yet these figures In the new stadium They remain the sticking point And perhaps even extra stickier Given the news We received overnight That the Labor And Opposition Leader Rebecca White Is now calling for a decision On the stadium To be handed over to voters She's saying There should be a referendum To hear the voices Of the Tasmanian community who are the taxpayers being asked to foot the bill for this project before it proceeds any further. Now, the Labor leader said that Tasmanians are rightly asking, why has this suddenly become such a high priority when the government's failing to get the basics right in so many key areas? You could probably lodge that argument across every capital city in Australia when it comes to building sporting stadiums. But you do wonder, don't you, where given the federal Labor government are said to be On this, which is broadly supportive of a new stadium in Hobart, you wonder where this might leave the state opposition. Now, those in support say it'll make money for the state. It's close proximity to the business centre of Hobart will further bring that district to life. It has become a political football, the stadium, but as far as the team goes, the current 18 teams... Are supportive. I'm not even sure there's going to be a vote from the AFL in the end. There will be a consensus reached, and the last step is a federal funding, which is now in train. I want to talk about the fixture as well. We touched on the Magic Round with Jared earlier. I need some convincing on this, to be honest. Um, if it's Adelaide, if it's Sydney, I, to be honest, I don't understand the Magic Round concept at all. I'm not sure if it will work in our game. How does it possibly work in Adelaide with one venue? And in Sydney, will anyone go? So the fixture itself for next year was due to come out late this month, early next month, but has now been pushed back a tad until mid-November, I'm told, at the earliest. So after Spring Carnival, in the middle of the AFLW Finals, potentially, and before the National Draft on November 28 and 29, what do you want to see in the fixture? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 of course, is the open line for Werribee Kia, awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year, Werribee Kia, where else? And Magic Round. Is the rabbit really going to jump out of the hat in Magic Round? Is it really going to work in our game? I love your thoughts on that as well. And, hey, with the talk of Robert Harvey said to be on the verge of returning to St Kilda to work under Ross Lyme there, we were thinking in here earlier about which former club legend you'd like back at your club. Tony Lockett as goal-kicking coach would be nice at the Saints while they're at it. Nick Rewald into a bit of admin. Darren Jarman as a skills coach at Hawthorne. Paul Salmon as a ruck coach as Damian Munkhurst's replacement. What about David Neitz at Melbourne? Forwards coach. No, not even as a forwards coach. As a sole mentor for Jacob Van Ruin. Just just play that hit on Luke McCabe on repeat. That'd be enough. And speaking of returns, Alistair Clarkson flew back into the country last night. Another overseas tour for Clarko, this time to Celtic to uh, get up close and personal and witness the work of Ange Postacoglu. So... Alistair Clarkson, as we know, due to officially start work at Arden Street next Tuesday, November 1. Now, that's cup day, so perhaps not that day specifically. But the North Melbourne board will sit this week, I'm told, to, I think ratify the return to work or the start of work for the four-time premiership coach at North Melbourne, much like Brisbane did last night when the Lions board sat to pave the way for Chris Fagan's return to the club for pre-season training. We know they, are, the pair of them, Clarkson and Fagan, took leave of absence last month, the allegations of racism during their time at Hawthorne. Now that we have the four-person independent panel, the terms of reference are set. Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there's an issue with these two returning to work subject to the investigation results and the the panel making their findings love your feedback on that too send us a text as well you can do on the 40 winks temper oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you 40 winks serious about sleep i have got I reckon seven prizes to give away here as part of midday madness. So you know the drill: you call, you get on. It's Dwayne Russell's legacy, and while he's away, we just carry the can for the great man. So the lines are open: one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I've got a few topics I'd like to get to today, but any topic you like in sport, particularly in the first hour of the program. Aaron's in Broadmeadows. Aaron wants to talk cricket. Uh, we do have that on our menu to get to as well later on in the show. Aaron, good afternoon to you. Welcome to uh, Dwayne's World of Midday Madness.
4: Yeah, good afternoon. Uh, Watching the cricket on Sunday night, it just made me think that with the huge number of Pakistan, Indian and Sri Lankan cricket fans in Australia, it's it's a perfect opportunity now for Cricket Australia to bring back the Tri-Series. The issue always was that if Australia didn't play, you couldn't get a crowd. But now you could play Sri Lanka versus India or Pakistan versus um, Bangladesh, and you'd get you you'd probably get more fans than you would for the Australian game. So it, to me, it's just a perfect opportunity to bring back the tri-series. Of, you know, maybe two, even three um, teams versus Australia. Um, the crowds would definitely come. To me, it's just a perfect opportunity for cricket Australia to bring it back
3: hundred percent, Aaron. Couldn't agree more. I'm of a vintage, perhaps like you, where we grew up on the Tri-Series. Amazing. What I don't miss, though, is when they only showed us the first couple of hours of the day-nighters at the MCG because they wanted you to attend. Thank goodness we've come a fair way with that. I'm with you. Love the Tri-Series and the turnout the other night. I mean, what more validation do we need? I mean, that was unbelievable, the 93,000 in there to watch that game. So I'm with you. Um, Would it work for every country? Possibly. Possibly not. But the appetite for a Tri-Series, I reckon would be there. Absolutely. Um, a lot of texts coming through. I'll park all those. A lot of you going into bat for the magic round as well. So I'll read those through someone saying here, uh, the idea is that people from other States travel there. People from Sydney, not expected to go to games. Sydney aren't playing in. Would we travel? Would we get there? Would magic round take off? Do we need to copy the NRL with these sorts of things? I mean, I I get the idea of the extra round because the preseason games perhaps don't mean anything and the the teams were going in full blast with them. Anyway, that's the origins for the concept. Might as well make it a round that that means something. I just wonder, centralising it all in one particular city, I've got no idea how it worked with Adelaide. I mean, if you had them starting on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, six days, three games apiece, heaven help that Adelaide Oval deck come Monday. Uh, if you're the 17th and 18th teams playing on it without a bit of wet weather. But anyway, that's the glass half empty. Look at it. Uh, Aaron was talking about the cricket. We will touch base with Bryce McGain later to have a look at the big clash at Opta Stadium tonight. 10 o'clock tonight, Eastern Time, if you don't mind. Australia and Sri Lanka and much more on the show, which I'll detail shortly. But while the calls are coming in, we will get to you. Andrew's in Hyde. He wants to talk about bringing in money for the game. G'day, Andy. Welcome.
5: Hey Sam, hey, you mentioned the millions of dollars this 19th team would bring in due to an extra game, but there wouldn't be an extra game every round, mate. There's going to be a team having to buy it. So yeah, you 11,
3: 11 extra games it would be, Andrew. So yeah, the modelling has it that the AFL initially thought it would be you know, somewhere around 16 to $7 million extra in the coffers, but I think the Tasmanian Task Force sought their own homework, went to the broadcaster's. Um, and got a similar figure. But now that it's been thrashed out completely, the feedback is it's going to be around $23 million um, when it comes to these extra games being played. So anyway, it's not uh, a massive difference, but all working positively towards, um, you know, those who say that uh, Tasmania's model is sound and, and needs to come into the competition from, we think, 2027 onwards. I really don't think we're too far away on this. I think it's going to happen. And it'll be a big story when it does. Uh, We're talking about club legends returning to their club. A a lot of them coming in um, as well. Robert Harvey, we think, as has been reported, uh, about to reunite uh, with the Saints and work under Ross Line. there. Um, I thought Tony Lockett, imagine if you got Plugger in it as a goal-kicking coach. Um, Matt in Carillon Springs might have one. How are you, Matty?
6: Uh, Good, thanks. How are you, mate? I am well. That's
3: good. That's good.
6: Um, just a couple of things. So, firstly, um, on Ross Lyon back at the Saints. Um, look, I think it's an interesting um, um, appointment, um, but I don't necessarily think he's the he's going to be that Messiah that will you know. And I would have loved him to sort of back in Radden and um, you know see where that could have led to. I mean, I know they did back him up back him during the year, but then obviously uh, that. You know, results turned against him, but I just feel like um, you know, history shows that sometimes when you you back in the coach, um,
7: mm.
6: things can turn around. You know, like um, I, I remember back in you know two thousand and six, Geelong was struggling. They backed in, they did a review, backed in Mark Thompson, and you know he went on to win a couple of flags. Um, same with Hardwick. You know, um, he, he was they were struggling at Richmond. Um' they could have sacked him, but you know, they backed him in and got support around him, and you know history shows that you know Richmond were able to turn that around and be successful so i don't know um all, all the best to him you know, and hopefully you know he can achieve that um that elusive flag that's evaded him and invaded the saints, but yeah, um I guess time will tell um my other point was um uh, just on Clarko and Fagan returning. Um, I, I agree. I think there's no issue with them returning to work in, in terms of, obviously, notwithstanding the allegations are, are pretty big and everything, um, but I just think they, yeah, they should be um, afforded, you know, the presumption of innocent, innocent until proven guilty. Yep. So, yep. you know, subject like, yep. you said, like you said, I agree with what you said, you know, subject to the findings of the investigation. I don't think there should be an issue with them returning to work.
3: Well, I think so, man. I mean, given the terms of reference are set now, the, the panel is, is put in place, independent panel, and that investigation is underway. I, I can't see any problem with them doing it. And uh, Brisbane are already moving to do that with Chris Fagan. And as I said, I understand North will do much the same when their board meets at some stage this week to uh, ratify the return of, uh, of Alistair Clarkson, who's just uh, flown back in last night uh, from a trip, um, and it's some time spent with Celtic. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, and 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 obviously they're um they're well, you know, they're deserving of uh, the presumption of innocence until proven guilty, which some would argue that perhaps they haven't had, given the way this has all played out. But um, it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. Appreciate the call, Matt Andrews in Nidri uh, on the open line. He wants to talk about the and uh, review on the Werribee Kia open line. G'day, Andy. Welcome.
8: Okay, uh, okay, Sam. Thanks for taking my call. Um, that review is so scathing. It's not fun. Well, it's so serious. It's not funny. Mm. I lack of unity. Not fit. Not fit enough. Not
3: fit enough. Yeah. No
8: alignment between footy, not not fit enough between the de, uh, the three departments. Um, the, the issue about uh, putting an Aboriginal uh, Indigenous person on the board and uh, redeveloping their Aboriginal uh, depart, uh, links which I raised ages ago about there's an issue there and and there wasn't now. It just proves there has been, I think. Um, well, it's a great report. I i haven't got the full report, and I think every person, uh, person be wrapped that we have got a report like this out. And out. Um, now, it's the actions. Now, will uh, Dodorio keep his job? Will the fitness uh, people keep their jobs? Because it really points the finger at them, doesn't it?
3: Well, development was the other side of it too, though, Andrew. Not so much recruitment, I don't think, but development was a big part of it. So there's going to be a head of development now and a couple of um, big staffing appointments made at that football club. They've still got to appoint a CEO, of course, as well. I'm not sure what the holdup with the CEO is, given it was essentially, from the outside, anyone, everything we heard, a two-horse race between Andrew Thorburn and uh, and Simon Matthews um, at Richmond. I'm not sure why Simon hasn't been appointed. I I not sure what the hold-up is there. It's said to be tracking positively and um, steadily, and I'm sure we'll get uh, those three appointments in due course. But, um, yeah, the review was big. Interestingly, uh, Andrew Thorburn was involved in that review as well. Not one mention in him from the statement. Um, Plenty on EY, Ernst & Young, but nothing on Andrew Thorburn, which I, I thought was quite curious there, uh, and a racing of history, if you like. Uh, regarding Magic Round, South Australia not planning on playing all games at the Adelaide Oval. I love the Barossa idea they're going with. That's from Dan. Sammy, West Coast to bring Dean Cox home. That's from uh, Jason And the Tri-Series getting a lot of love as well. There's some of us there with some uh, great nostalgic memories of the Tri-Series. Sam, Aaron was spot on. There are far too many many meaningless three- and five-game one-day series after a test series that no one cares about. Bring back the Tri-Series with a bit of meaning to it. And on the Tri-Series, yes, Bangladesh would also be a good addition. I reckon they do it every second year. Yeah, perhaps when the ashes aren't in the country, it's something that um, we can resuscitate. Uh, Dom, John and Marty, we'll get to you after the break. I absolutely promise. And I've got to get my head around these prizes. I mean, we've got a $100 Ballers Clubhouse voucher that we need to give away. Of course, Melbourne's largest bar and games venue. We've got 18 holes of golf. For you and a mate with a card, of course, at um, at Club Mandalay. We've got the hundred-dollar uh, Gami chicken voucher. Also, we've got the fifty-buck Brick Lane Brewing voucher. We've got the Buffalo Buffalo Trace bourbon whiskey as well for our caller of the day. Uh, unbelievable product that one. We've got the CB Co Brewing, Australian-owned and made uh, brewing. Fantastic. Beers, yes, for Australian taste since two thousand and four. We've got a stack to give away here. We might even have two Garmy vouchers. Heck, why don't we give away a handful of them? We've got plenty happening. And a public service announcement, I might add. Uh, a Rod on the buttons today. So it's Music Tuesday. Text in your requests. We'll take them. Text them in on the Temper 40 Winx text machine 0433981116. And A Rod will play Jukebox for you. So we're off and running. And by the way, our menu today on the show. All your calls, all your texts, of course. We've got the host of the Global game, Simon Hill, to join us. AFLW Rising Star from the Dees, Talia Gillard. F1 Insider, Michael Laminato. Trevor Lane from Los Angeles on the Lakers. Haven't they got their early season struggles? And I mentioned Bryce McGain earlier to take a look at tonight's big clash. Aussies back in action in the T20 World Cup from Optus Stadium in Perth. Whoa, that's a hamburger with a lot. Sam Edmonds sitting in for Dwayne Russell. Grab a line and we'll be back right after this.
0: Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly.
1: Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data.
2: Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back.
3: Absolutely full board of calls and texts. You are convincing me on the Magic Round. And to be honest, I do need some convincing. And I know this text rings true. And I agree. Sam, Magic Round. All Melbournians have Magic Round most weekends with several games being played within the Melbourne GPO. Us interstate AFL tragics. Most years hop on a plane from Gold Coast to Melbourne to see Friday night, Saturday Arvo or a night game and perhaps a Sunday game. We all don't like just seeing Lions v. whoever or Suns v. whoever once a fortnight at best. Obviously, a text coming through from Queensland. Fair enough. If the appetite is there, the appetite is there. And um, build it and they will come, perhaps. I just just need to be convinced. You'd hate to have it and have half-filled stadiums for for neutral games in in certain capital cities. But, hey, it might work. Magic might be exactly that. I promise to get better with the prizes as well. Dom's been waiting on the line in Burwood. He wants to talk about Magic Round. How are you, Domo?
9: Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Yeah, is this magic round part of the? Tw- is this part of the home and home games, or is it a practice match round?
3: No, not practice. This will be for four points, Dom. This will be the real deal. And at- oh, well, let, well, 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 let me tell
9: you, that is absolutely ridiculous. If you think if you think everybody's going to travel to say Sydney or South Australia, you, you've got to be joking. I mean, if you have a new if in South Australia if Gold Coast play Fremantle, they'll get no one. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I agree with you. I just can't see the point. I mean seriously, and um it, it, there's a, like a lot of teams will then be playing on neutral grounds, and if they think all these people from all over Australia are going to go interstate, number one, the airfares will be ridiculous it, It's just mm. crazy. Eight, nine games in
3: one state.
9: With it, with on neutral venue, I mean it's just nuts. I, I, what do you think? I just think it's ridiculous.
3: Yeah, I, I'm not quite as up in arms as you, but I need to be convinced, Dom, to be honest. And and there's plenty of people who say it's going to be a, a big hit. I know Jared Waitley just uh, left the studio. He's well and truly on board with it. He thinks it'll work. I'm not sure it works in the NRL. Fine, is it going to work with us? And I know there's some money at stake at stake here with broadcast rights in the sense. Why have a meaningless preseason game when you can have one? That actually is worth something, but I would love to see State of Origin brought back. To be honest, before I see a, a Magic Round, I'd, I, surely that's worth some some corporate and broadcast dollars, and the appetite would be would be huge. I mean, notwithstanding all the concerns from from a football side of things, with, with club level and from from coaches who coach those sides and injuries and all those sort of familiar and tired debates. But I'd have State of Origin before I had Magic Round. To be honest, uh, Johnny's in Port Augusta. Johnny, welcome to you. Welcome to the show.
10: Hi
11: Sam. Uh, yeah, the twice series to the cricket, I reckon, is a great idea.
12: that would be fantastic. there yeah, with,
11: with a lot of Indians, and Pakistanis, and all the rest of that out there, Sri Lankans, goodness knows what, that'd be bloody great. So bring it, t- bring it know, back. That's a great idea.
7: Yeah, bring it, bring
11: back. it back. That's right. Bring it back. It'd be great. But uh, on the um, on footballers and the cricketers and cricketers and the footballers, like Craig Bradley, Peter Bedford, going back a little bit. Who won the 1970 Brownlow Medal and played state football? And played state cricket. Sorry, there's a, there's a, a few of the old NFL uh, that played Test cricket and state football. Eric Freeman and Neil Hawke opened the bowling for Australia in the 1960s versus the West Indies one day, and then there was no Shield match the next week. So they opened the bowling for Port Adelaide the following week in the club game. Incredible. Good on, uh, good
3: on you, Johnny. I, I love it. I love a topic drop, mate. Absolutely. Okay. Footballers that have played cricket, cricketers who have played footy. There are a, a, quite a few of them. In fact, uh, I'm about to um, do a, a couple of months of breakfast duties with a certain Simon O'Donnell, who well and truly fits into that mould as well. So give us your nominations uh, over the text. O four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Thanks, Johnny. Just before we get to the news, uh, Al's in Airport West. G'day, Al. Hey Sam, how are you, mate? Hey, I'm going well. What's on your mind? Uh, look. Um, he
13: got uh, Triple Lane going to be on the show very shortly. Uh, going to be talking about my beloved Lakers.
3: Oh, what's happened? i love
13: you to put a couple uh, I'd love you to put a couple of questions to him. Look, I, I love LeBron. He's a fantastic basketball player, but you know when he's putting this GM hat on, which he's done for this last couple of years, you know, um, bringing in uh, Russell Westbrook on that crazy contract. Past his peak, mm. never really going to work. Uh, we've got AD. I can't really look. AD's problem is, is his fitness, right? So uh, you know, we, we can't really um, begrudge him. But you know, he, he helped us win that 2020 title. But I mean, even uh, Rob Palenka, he's, he's not doing his job. You know, who's someone's got to answer? Uh, answer for you know our last couple of seasons. It, it's actually. It's like watching the Benny Hill show. Um, Those that games of basketball, we've got we've got so many games on ESPN, and it's actually getting quite uh, hard to watch. So uh, I would love to put, you know, put a couple of questions to him as if, to ask, you know, um, who's really uh, going to be answering to to building this list that we've uh, we've we we've out all our young talent to bring in Ru- Russell Westbrook, and it, it's it's been a horror show.
3: Really. All right, Al. I've written all of those down as homework. Uh, stick on the line when we get. Uh, by the way, when we get Trevor on, I will fire those questions at him. The Lakers have been a talking point in the early stages of this NBA season. Good on you, Al. Hang around. I'll flick you the 18 holes of golf for you. Take a mate along as well. Get yourself a cart. 18 holes of golf for two with the drinks and the cart midweek. Just 99 bucks. You visit them online. Club at Mandalay. Dot com dot au. The song requests for A-Rod have, uh, have just uh, blown the text machine apart. Uh, coming thick and fast. But we did have time to pick out JB in Hobart's request. A bit of Kings of Leon into these news headlines.
7: Oh,
3: a bit of Counting Crows. Yeah, Big Yellow Taxi. To put up a Indeed. That request coming through earlier. They're coming so thick and fast. I missed who requested it. Nevertheless, there you have it. A-Rod taking a request right up until three o'clock. So many texts and calls coming through on the Magic Round. Miller in Mount Evelyn. I would 100% drive up for a Magic Round. Take the family, stay for a week, see a couple of games, and then the sights of the host city. Can't wait. Bring it on. Dave in Albury. The NRL do so much wrong, but the things they do very well. A state of origin and Magic Round. The AFL would love to have State of Origin back if it was attended with the pride and the passion as the NRL. Magic Round is loved by fans and uh, they enjoy overloading on live footy for the weekend. I think it'll be just as popular with AFL games. I think it'll be great to visit the best stadia in the country like Optus, Adelaide Oval or the SCG. Beatle, the reasoning for the extra round is nonsensical. If you believe clubs still won't have a full dress rehearsal game before round one next year, you're kidding yourself Magic Round will only attract decent crowds where there are large numbers of expats like Queensland and New South Wales. That's from Lily in Adelaide. Uh, So many coming through. Magic Round. it should be in Tasmania. A no-brainer. Matches can be played at Blunston Arena, uh, the Launceston uh, Ground, TCA Ground, North Hobart Hobart Oval, the latter two, both near the Hobart CBD. A massive boost for football and increased awareness in Tasmania. Why don't they just do like they do in the NRL? Don't they sell it and they go to the highest bidder anyway. So maybe we could do that in the AFL. Whatever state government wants to chip in the most, if we get a bit ahead of, of steam up to host it, they get it. They get the bidding rights, goes to the highest bidder. Maybe that's a way to do it. Marty's in Melton. He wants to talk magic round. How are you, Marty? Uh, Mr. Sammy, how you going, buddy? Going well, mate. What's on your mind when it comes to this, uh, This uh, well, not a new concept, but we'll be new to our code. Well, I hope I don't get secluded from uh, getting a prize, Sammy,
12: because, about, about what I'm about to say to you. Because, mate, seriously, you're supposed to be in the sports reporting and pumping up the AFL and this, that, whatever, and you're discarding one of the great ideas, mate. Like, seriously, Sammy. Imagine all the teams. I'm an AFL full member, yeah? We're already planning 100%, waiting for the fixture to come out to find out where it is because we're going <laughs> to hit... Like, as long as the AFL allows us to use our memberships to go whatever games we want... And another idea, Sam, do it over Easter weekend, mate. Thursday to Monday. Oh, it's got to be school. Yeah, Yeah. no, no.
3: It's got to be school holidays, Marty. absolutely has to be. If you're going to be playing, you know, Wednesday through to Monday, it has to be on the school holidays.
12: Yeah, but Easter weekend, mate. Thursday to Monday. They've got to put four or five big games on, Sammy. They can't have, like, seven, eight crap games. (laughs)
7: Like,
12: if it's in Sydney, put Collingwood, Sydney. You know, put... Eden, and uh, you know, I know you're not going to get uh you know, the crowd where i will get sixty, seventy thousand in Melbourne. Yep. But put you know, put put good, good put good matches on where teams will want to go. But one hundred percent, my group, mate, we're already planning to go up there, spend four, five, six days up there, go to four, five, six games. Like it'll just be a grass mate. Like, we get to do it every week in Melbourne. Like you said, if we want, mm. especially the AFL membership, mm. you can go to forty, fifty games a year. Yeah. No, the but, reason the reason like, for we that. Don't take advantage.
3: Yeah. There's there's ten different there's ten different supporter groups here, of course. Whereas I just wonder, you know, will the locals get around it, or maybe there's going to be a lot of people like you, Marty, and I've been looking at it all wrong. That will obviously travel to the host city, the host venues, and and get around their respective clubs. And look, I hope. Don't get me wrong. I hope there's a lot more like you, Marty, and it is a raging success, and I may well be proven wrong over time. So hang on the line, Marty. I'll sling you the uh, $100 Ballers Clubhouse voucher. This is a ripper. Uh, We had a Christmas party there not long ago, didn't we? Of course, that was a great venue. Melbourne's largest bar and games venue, it is. SEN listeners also get 10% off when you book your end-of-year function now at Ballers Clubhouse dot com dot au so a hundred buck voucher coming your way marty uh, appreciate your call josh is over in perth you know I tell you over in perth they've done a pretty good job of getting around some footy events in the last uh, year or so as well welcome josh hey
4: sam you've a pretty valid point there mate I, I, looking at the redevelopment of the wacker that's slowly occurring um, we did a country football championship game there earlier this year and and I think it'd be a perfect, you know, small boutique stadium that would work for these smaller drawing crowds. But for people get around their footy pretty well. The other options you've got there, obviously, during life Amanda as well. So, you know, mm. we've got four venues. But, you know, people talk about the crowds with Magic Round and Neutrals. Aren't we hosting the T20 World Cup where we're getting maybe 5,000 people to Hobart for two games or two teams that aren't Australian? Like, you know, we, we talk about crowd numbers, but broadcast money is worth more than crowd numbers to an extent.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, Josh. I suppose... But the broadcasters will tell you it's no good when they're broadcasting games and, and you know, they're, they're a third or quarter or, or even half full. But you're right. I think the broadcast appetite would be absolutely enormous. Like we saw with um, with the Festival of Footy, going back to those, ooh, those horrible COVID times. I don't like talking about it. But, hey, that was one sort of silver lining of that period, wasn't it? The appetite for the Festival of Footy was enormous on every night. So, yeah, in that sense... I just hope people turn up en masse for it. The venues work and we can cram it all in. But um, these are all just perhaps um, small hurdles that that can be overcome if the appetite is there. Appreciate your call, Josh. By the way, you've got a text here I've been meaning to read out from Andy. We're talking about former club legends returning to their clubs, um, perhaps inspired by Robert Harvey. Who would you like to have back at your club? Andy says, if the Saints did get plugger in for goal-kicking coach. Uh, Alan Richardson will still be coaching. Inaccurate kicking has always dogged St Kilda. It cost them the Premiership in 2009. A uh, Mark's in Mattingly. He, oh, he wants to talk two-way sportsman that was brought up a little bit earlier. G'day, Mark.
12: Hey, Jimmy, how are
3: you? Going well. Um, I've got well, I
12: I reckon a lot of people probably wouldn't make something that old. Max Walker party, played about 96 games
3: for Melbourne, and then played for Victoria, and played for Australia. Yeah, good call, Mark. Your line's a bit dodgy there, but for those who didn't hear, you reference Max Walker uh, as one of our two-way sportsmen, of course. And uh, yeah, as you say, went on to play for Australia, so um, absolutely a nomination. Appreciate the call, Mark. On our menu still to come today, uh, Midday Madness up until one o'clock, of course. We're going to talk to Simon Hill. Plenty happening in the World Game. Uh, Tali Gillard will have a chat to us as well. She's the AFLW rising star from the Ds. Just the one round left in the AFLW season. This has absolutely flown past finals beyond that. Uh, Michael Laminato, Dan Ricardo. I mean, even for the uber positive Dan Ricardo, he looked a defeated man after the uh, after that race in Austin, Texas at the weekend. His season just goes from bad to worse. We're going to talk the Lakers with Trevor Lane from Los Angeles, Bryce McGain as well, as we cast an eye towards tonight's huge clash, Australia and Sri Lanka at Optus Stadium. Dwayne's World is for Kogan Mobile. Make the call, switch to Kogan Mobile. And for Brick Lane Brewing, lovers and makers of great beer, one 736 736 is the open line for Werribee Kia. Darren, Peter, Andrew and Mark, sit tight. We'll get to you as part of the mid day Madness promise and flick through your song requests. Arod is eagerly anticipating those, and look at him—he just can't wait to push the button on the next one. Back after this, Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by
0: the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly.
1: Switch to Kogan Mobile for two dollars ninety for thirty days with twenty gig of data. Dwayne's
2: World with Dwayne Russell. Yes, indeed.
3: Sam Edmund sitting in for the pipe. We've been talking fixturing. We've been talking uh, magic round. uh, And there's a hold-up, of course, with the fixture. It was going to be late this month, early next month, magic round, and the hold-up there um, between, you know, a bit of uh, political posturing between uh, South Australia and New South Wales at the moment over who's going to Going to host it and I think the clubs have been told or earmarked anyway for that April school holiday period as I think we had a call through on the text before. Not sure if it's specifically around the Easter weekend, but it looks as though we'll be in the school holiday period in April, we think. Off the text, as a 50-year Geelong supporter, it'll be great for the competition and for the new benchmark Cats to have Chris Scott matching wits with not only his brother Brad, but Ross Lyon, the coach he worked under at Fremantle who sent him on his way to the Cats. Fasten your seatbelts. Indeed, Glenn. Appreciate your text. And what's Joel Selwood doing, by the way, speaking of the Cats? This is completely unverified, but I heard earlier that maybe even Lindsay Fox had been on the blower to Joel Selwood to get him to the Saints. be a fair commute for Joel Selwood. To be honest, every club would have reached out, surely, for Joel Selwood services for next year. I have no idea what he would be wanting to do, but he could probably just about pick it. Darren's on the road. Darren Cricket. And we're in a bit of a state here. Are we going to dig ourselves out of it?
14: How uh, you going, Sammy? Um, I've got a couple of opinions. One, just on listening to um, the Magic Ram, yep. people forget um, the scars that we've still got from um, AFLX. <laughs> <laughs> um, they don't really... Put too much thought into some of these new ideas. Um, Look, I'm a bit older. I remember when we used to have the carnival that was a state of origin. I think that that's something that needs to be investigated. I think you'll find that people will travel all in sundry to watch, you know, South Australia play, New South Wales, and, you know, everyone represented being a national competition. But the reason that I did ring was about the cricket. um, With Australia getting beaten in the first round and you not being a reporter but being more of an investigative journalist I just want to pose this question to you if we get beaten or get rained out in one game so if we lose one more game or get rained out there's every chance we don't make the finals yep. um yep. how many heads do you reckon roll after that because I think we're pretty pretty old and we're a New South Wales based Australian team and have been for the best part of the last 25 years Um, With George Baylor getting in and uh, the way that he's operating, I can see some massive changes coming. Do you think that uh, our bowling stocks, if they don't fire up in the next couple of weeks, there could be some some big changes, mate?
3: Yeah, well, I think that's a lot for us regardless of the format, Darren. I mean, our team will always be um, surrounded by selection intrigue and, and controversy and debate and fallout when we don't, Get it right, so yeah, i 'm with you. I can absolutely see that, having said that, I think we should be fine against Sri Lanka tonight over at uh, over in Perth, and then look back back to take on uh England that will be that will be the big game, won't it on the twenty eighth of october on a on a Friday night. I wonder if in that particular game they might make some changes, regardless, so they beat Sri Lanka, maybe there will be a change, maybe. I would be shocked if Steve Smith doesn't come in at some stage. I still think there's just, a again, well-worn debate, but I reckon he needs to come in to play that anchor role at some stage in the season, maybe dependent on, on how they start their innings at, at the very top where he might be deployed. But that's just my personal opinion, Darren. But you're right. I think there'll be fallout, absolutely, uh, if they don't get it right in the coming in the coming couple of matches, So, Daz, just sit tight as well. I'll sling you a prize. Actually, I'll sling you the let's get you the Garmi chicken voucher. Everyone likes a bit of chicken, especially from Garmi. So it's a hundred dollar Garmi chicken voucher. The unmissable chicken, of course. Visit GarmiChicken.com.au for your nearest restaurant that's coming your way. And speaking of coming your way, Tony from Frankston, is your request coming your way? A little bit of kiss. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale Brewed by the award
0: winning team at Brick Lane Brewing Drink responsibly
1: Switch to Koga Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data Dwayne's
2: World with Dwayne Russell
3: Welcome back. Sam Edmund sitting in for Dwayne Russell. I'll tell you what, we stumbled across it, but the dual sports stars, the nominations have just poured in this one from Rod. Neil Crompton played for Melbourne, Victoria Cricket, Keith Miller, St Kilda and Australia. Good on you, Rod. Laurie Nash coming through from Wayne. Shane Warne, uh, Dan said, played St Kilda second. Oh Thought Warney played under nineteen, so I don't know, he might have played a Reszies game as well. A couple of Keith Millers coming through. Brennan Hackwell coming through, played for Fitzroy, went to the Olympic Games in basketball, seventeen VFL games, sixty-four Tokyo Olympics with Lindsay Gaze. Now, magic round. You're, you team up non-supported teams with home teams. For example, Fremantle v Sydney. People will watch multiple games. That's the whole idea of it. Doubleheaders, et etc. Thursday night, Friday night, two Saturday day games. Saturday, doubleheader Arvo night with a home team. Sunday, doubleheader Arvo night with a home team. Uh, play over a weekend with a public holiday Monday. You're welcome. I've attended NRL Magic Round, and it's an awesome festival. Also, when you purchase a ticket, it gives you access to multiple games. It's great to watch a game you normally wouldn't attend uh, oh, and this one, uh, Sammy, love the audio of the Tassie team. I think it will be fantastic. When they come in, it'll be time to radically change the fixture. I'm not sure about this, Maddie. Uh You're saying to an 18-round season, play every team once. I can't see the AFL ever going for that. Have a final six and potentially a finals wildcard fixture for teams finishing eight to ten. Shake it all up and realise that less is more, and that will create a better product. Maddie, that is turning things upside down. Um... Guys, bring Magic Round to WA. We have the best stadium in the world and a state that loves footy. Look at the last Dreamtime game we sold out. The Crown Precinct also makes it very appealing for interstate travellers. It will be a hit. All right, you've spoken. I've listened. Very supportive of the Magic Round, and I can't wait to be proven wrong. Peter, Andrew, Mark, sit tight. We'll get to you on the other side of this. We're taking your requests. Text them in on the temper 40winks text machine. Not too far away from having a chat to Melbourne's AFLW rising star, Talia Gillard. Back after the news.
0: Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Perfect for all occasions and the ultimate crowd-pleaser. Drink responsibly.
1: Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Dwayne's
2: World with Dwayne Russell. Just
3: all on me during the break. Just got a heap of grog to give away here, uh, by the way, responsibly, of course. I uh, got the uh, Bricklay Brewing Voucher, uh, the Buffalo Trace Bourbon Whiskey and the CB Co Brewing um, uh, Voucher to give away as well. So don't be shy. We might talk some Formula One at about quarter past the hour, I reckon, with uh, the Formula One uh, journalist, reporter, podcaster, Michael Laminado. of course. Uh, Circuit of the Americas, big race over in Austin, Texas, at the weekend, won by Red Bull's Max Verstappen, who's on an absolute tear at the moment as his, his team. So grab a line now. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 on the open line for Werribee Kia. Awarded, of course, the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia, where else? Uh, Peter's been waiting on the line in one turn. the Magic Round we're talking about. The other thing with the Magic Round, just before uh, we get to Peter, is... You know, Rugby League, Magic Round a huge hit up north. They're playing off, you know, 85, not maybe 90-minute games by the time you factor in the halftime break. We're rolling at two hours 40 here as well, which is perhaps another thing to factor in if we're talking, you know, double and, and, and triple headers at particular venues. Anyway, just something to point out. Peter, welcome to you. Yep.
9: Uh, it'd be Magic Round be good. You can treat as the uh, finals come early because a lot of neutral support would normally go to uh,
15: watch the finals around the country, anyway.
3: Yeah, okay, that's a good point, Peter. Yeah, absolutely. But well, it can only be good for the game if people turn up, I guess. And you see games that you you know normally wouldn't uh, get access to. I take that. Uh, I take that on board. Absolutely. Thanks for your call, Andrew's in Seaholm Andrew, what's your what's your read on on Magic Round, and do you think it'll work? We got you there, Andy. We might have lost Andy, so we'll come back to him. In a... Oh, no, he's back. Andy, you are right there, mate? Yeah, mate. Looks like you got a bit yeah. on. Yeah, sorry. It's all right. Fire when okay, ready. Right.
16: Yeah, okay. Um, you know that, that, that funny round of whatever you're talking about? Mag- magic round, yep. Yeah. Magic. I, was, I said about five years ago they should have a heritage round where everybody plays at 210 on the Saturday.
3: Yeah. Okay.
16: Everybody, all the games
17: simultaneous. To be.
3: Sorry. Simultaneously.
13: Yep. Simultaneously on a Saturday.
3: Okay. It, like a throwback to a, yeah, throw back to another time when all the games are at two ten on a on a Saturday.
16: They have a they have a heritage game anyway, right? So why not make
13: it two ten only on the Saturday?
3: All right, Andrew, another point well made by you. You know, the one thing I love about the Premier League is the final day is always played at the same time. It's a great little novelty, and you're probably saying, God, we we bitch and moan, don't we, about games overlapping, and here we are saying play them all at the same time, but there's a nice novelty about it on the final day, which is done, of course, for integrity reasons, given there are no finals in the Premier League and they're, they're sometimes playing for sheep stations at the death, but those simultaneous games offer up, you know, crazy opportunity for drama when they're played simultaneously, which we've seen in that competition over time. Speaking about the Magic Round, uh, a fair bit this morning. South Australian Premier Peter Malinowskis uh, spoke on the Magic Round on SEN Breakfast last week. Let's have a, a listen to the Premier of South Australia, Peter Malinowskis.
18: If this goes to to Sydney, um, people are going to turn on their television sets and they're going to see 600 people at you know the Western Sydney ground watching Frio versus Brisbane. Whereas here in Adelaide, um, we will put on one hell of a show. We know that people show up to watch the footy, but more than that, I mean, imagine having a game in the Barossa Valley at a place like Angerston or something like that, mm. and we have the opportunity to showcase everything that is great about one of our incredible regions. And meanwhile, the whole community packs in and actually backs in an AFL game, let alone the people that will travel interstate to experience that. Mm. But people aren't jumping in a plane to fly to Western Sydney to watch a game. Um, I mean, I, barely do people do that to watch the Crows or Port in Western Sydney. So well, I think we can put on a festival here, a festival of footy in a heartland state to make it work. And the NRL, they host their Magic Round in Brisbane, and it works, right, because people back it in locally. It's a NRL town. Um, and, and part of my frustration is, um, and I, I don't want to uh, talk... Uh, uh, I would to undermine the AFL's effort in trying to expand the game in non-AFL states. But at the same time, we can't forget our base either. Mm. And South Australians have always um, backed in footy in, in all of its forms, local footy, amateur footy, our AFL teams. We did contribute, you know, the South Australian public contributed over $500 million into the Adelaide Oval, and that has been a great success. But I think we deserve a bit of recognition um, of that effort rather than just constantly trying to pursue uh, growth in non-footy states. That's a worthwhile exercise, but not at the expense of South Australian footy fans.
3: Shots fired, as they say in the classics. That's the SA Premier Peter Malinowskis on Magic Round. uh, You might have heard that already. That was replayed a fair bit, and for good reason. That was on SEN Breakfast. Uh, essay last week, uh, Peter Malinowska So, um, magic round certainly on between South Australia and New South Wales uh, at the moment. Greg's in Murwillumbah. He's got a, a scheduling query around how the round might work. I think. G'day, Greg. Yeah, good mate.
5: How you doing?
3: I'm good. I'm good. What 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 angle did you want to look at this? More of a sort of logistical sort of flavour.
11: Yeah, mate. Yeah, I just had that call before. It'd be great to have all the all the uh, the games at uh, 2-10. Yeah. Back to the 80s and late 70s for those of us that are that old. Um, but I was just thinking, how do you get, um, you know, you've got 10 Victorian teams. How do you get five games uh, into three games at,
3: at
7: 2 o'clock?
3: Oh, I it, not I didn't do the sums or the maths in my head, Greg, or the venue or the logistics or anything, uh, to be honest. I didn't have a chance. But... Um, yeah, how would we also broadcast all of them at the same time as well? We've only got so many channels and so many vehicles to use. I'm not sure. Maybe there'd be an online-only sort of offering, uh, streaming sort of offering that way. I'm not sure, Greg, but yeah, they're, they're questions that uh, that I can't answer at the moment. As far as Magic Round goes, you certainly... So Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday you could play three games. Sunday, obviously, can play three games. And then maybe a Monday night football gets you to the... Get you to the nine games you need, uh, Mario. We've got just enough time for in Ivan, good day, Mario.
10: Good day. Uh, look, I think it's uh, obviously a good idea, and, and uh, these things. You're lucky you can try them. If they don't work, you just you don't have to go on with it the next season. But I think uh, everybody wanting to go first, I can understand why the South Australia Premier is saying what he's saying. But mm. the reality is, you could just go one state after the other. You start off. Doesn't matter where, say, or I'd say, for instance, it is South Australia. Next year it comes to Victoria. The year after that it goes to Queensland, and you just rotate it around. Um, I think that makes more sense than, and, and more equitable than trying to, to uh, pick winners. And you know, I take the point where uh, the, the, the normal footy fan ought to be. Uh, those that we we support um, the, the state that support footy the most. They should be given their opportunity at the
12: trough as well.
3: Thanks for the call, Mario. Yep, fair enough. And a lot of you are also pointing out off the text, you know, we've, we've lived an interesting last couple of years, particularly when it comes to travel. Uh, this text has just dropped. The airlines will be waiting for the fixture and they'll raise the prices like they did for the prelim final in Sydney if this magic round is increased. Yeah, no doubt that would be a concern. Uh, right. Right. Off the text, no disrespect to Ricardo, but he isn't a very good driver and he hasn't been for a long time. He's very fortunate to have had the career that he has. A pretty harsh assessment there from Craig off the 40 Winks temper text. But let's talk some Formula One because another sad weekend for Dan Ricardo over in Texas. So Michael Laminato is going to join us after this break. And as we go into it, Troy requested a, Oh, he's an old classic. A bit of shimmer by fuel. Here you go. Here you go, uh, Troy Boyd. Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing.
2: Drink responsibly.
1: Switch to Koga Mobile for two dollars ninety for thirty days with twenty gig of data.
2: Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell.
10: I mean, it's not. It's honestly, it's twenty twenty-two. It's been the year that it's been just uh, so far off the pace that it's. I simply can't uh, can't lean on it. Can't push. Can't get the time out of it. It's. Uh, Yeah, also the inconsistency through the lap times, uh, it shows that it really is a struggle, but to have such a big margin again, it remains a mystery. So yeah, not, uh, I love Texas, I love Austin, but that race itself for me was uh, not enjoyable. When you think it can't get worse, uh, it does. So that's where I, oh, I don't know. I don't know how I'm continuing to continue. Because uh, it's painful, in an understatement.
3: Well, you know things are die when the uber-positive Dan Ricciardo looks a completely defeated man. And the Aussie was again left to rue a disastrous weekend of racing. This time at the Circuit of the Americas in Texas, where Max Verstappen took the chequered flag and a greater hold on the F1 Championship with it. Formula One reporter and podcaster Michael Laminato is with us this afternoon. G'day, Mick. Hello, guys. How are you going? We're very well. We're very well. Can we perhaps just start with Dan? Because i tell you what, Michael, even in a season of turmoil, this was a a disaster in Texas. So you can't help but wonder if we'll look back at this McLaren car as perhaps even the machine that kills his career. And I know that sounds uh, like a strong statement to make, but um, it's one disaster um, after the other at the moment. No, it's, you know what
5: it is? It's a strong statement to make, but it's not, really out there all that much because this year should have been an improved one compared to last year we know he had his struggles last season and this was meant to be a blank slate he had a year to adjust to the team how it worked how it liked to build its cars this year has been a step backwards the car has been tricky there's no doubt it's not the car mclaren wanted to build even lando norris hasn't had quite the same highs he enjoyed with it last year but this is the year that obviously got him sacked at McLaren. It's the year that has had him struggle to find seats elsewhere. True, there haven't been that many available, but nonetheless. And it's also the one that leaves him facing a year on the sidelines with absolutely no certainty that he'll be back in 2024. And as you sort of said there, and we heard in, in the audio as well, he sounded pretty defeated. He has sounded defeated from time to time over the last two years, but it has even been rare, notwithstanding the fact his results haven't been that great. It's been very few occasions which he's gotten out of a car and, felt like he has absolutely no answers and Mm. this was this was one of them and that's that's sad to know so close to the end of the season at what could be a crucial decision making time for his, his next two years
3: yeah the pace was just woeful wasn't it? off the pace in qualifying eliminated in q1 i think maybe even the third time in the last five races that's happened and his race was nondescript i mean is it as simple as just saying this car just simply won't and hasn't been able to deliver
5: yeah, it just doesn't click for him, certainly. The car itself has, as I said, been problematic for McLaren overall, but Norris has been able to, particularly in the second half of the year, get more out of it in the way he has been. And Daniel spoke actually a couple of weeks ago and sort of tried to explain it a little bit. It, it is fundamentally that his The way he likes to drive the car doesn't really work with the car the way he wants to be driven. He says part of the advantage Norris has over him is also just the fact that Norris has only ever driven McLaren. So he's really well suited to the way these cars want to drive. Whereas Daniel has developed a driving style over years at different teams. And that's actually weirdly become a little bit of a handicap for him, if you like, with this car. And... It is a funny sort of intersection of things. It's difficult to think of a, of a parallel with another driver who's struggled so badly at another team. And I think that's what will also be concerning him because, again, it has been now almost fully two seasons in which he just hasn't been able to adapt. And it's not for a lack of trying either. I think some people have been tempted to say he's... He's phoning it in at this point, knowing that his uh, time with McLaren is coming to an end. But I I certainly don't get that sense. He's not the kind of driver who would be doing that anyway, particularly knowing he still needs to sell himself to whatever he might want to do in the next two years. It really is just a little bit of a mystery.
3: Just before we get to what happened in Austin and what might happen next in Mexico, I mean, Dan's future has obviously been the subject of a heap of conjecture. I mean, Haas wanted him. He was determined to take a season out of it. Now the rumours of a Red Bull rebirth as a... And as a reserve next season when Mercedes had been mentioned. Now, how do you see it sitting at this point in time, Michael? Because uh, there's rumour, there's innuendo everywhere about what he might do next season.
5: Yeah, there really is. And I think it is really up to him to decide. I think the reason there are so many rumours is that I think Daniel himself is not convinced of what he wants from next year. He's spoken a little bit this weekend. The last two or three weeks, in fact, he's been a little bit more open with this idea that a reserve driver... Role is on the cards. It is weird to think about that. A driver who's won Acre on Prix, he's been in the sport for more than a decade, taking a role that's often you know set aside for junior drivers or drivers who sort of no longer are associated with Formula One and they have sort of a de- developmental role. It would be targeted purely at just ensuring he's sort of kept in the conversation. I mean, on a really outside chance, Mercedes is still sort of a, the hottest tip, if you like. The outside chance that Lewis Hamilton might retire at the end of next year then might make him an outside chance to take that seat. So it's a little bit of a last roll of the dice. We have heard a rumour now that it might be Red Bull. I'm not so convinced about that. I I haven't heard so much about the idea it might be back to Red Bull. I think Mercedes would be the better bet. But I think it just fundamentally comes back to the idea that he's got to go out and chase whatever it is he wants. Mm. And I'm just not convinced he knows exactly what he wants.
3: Yeah, yeah. So Formula One second trip to the US uh, this season. Michael, how'd you see it? A Verstappen win, but a pretty eventful race right from the off.
5: Yeah, it's funny to think, you know, this has claimed the Constructors' Championship one round after he claimed the Drivers' Championship. And this is becoming one of the most dominant seasons, uh, certainly in recent history. But it hasn't quite felt like that because we've had so many good races, races in which Max has had to go out and win them, hasn't just been able to run away from it from pole. And this was another one. He had things thrown at him. He had Lewis Hamilton thrown at him, his old foe, of course, from last year after a slow pit stop really put him on the back foot. And Mm. he really had to go out and execute this race. And that in itself was a a good and satisfying way for them to claim, of course, the Constructors' Championship. But it was also an interesting one in the sense of Mercedes' recovery because that's been one of the stories of the year, the fact that the dominant force of the last decade has really been off the pace. And for the first time, while they weren't really quite enough on the pace to go out and win this one without a mistake from Red Bull... For the first time, the team has felt optimistic. They've sounded like they know their problems, where they're coming from, and that they can fix them for next season. And I think that's almost the bigger thing to take out of this race than anything else, this prospect that we may get, if Ferrari certainly keeps up its game, or improves it really, based on what they've done this year, we might get that three-way battle. We all expected it was going to be the case this season.
3: Yeah, absolutely. No, I thought there was enough there, even though it was a mistake they seized upon. Perhaps a bit of validation after some... More adjustments for Mercedes and Red Bull well and truly back as a as a true force now, of course. I wanted to ask you about Carlos Sainz. Obviously, started on pole. His race was over before the first lap was completed. I mean, the first corner was completed, overtaken by Verstappen at the start, and then shunted into turn one. I think George Russell might have made contact.
5: Yeah, poor guy, really, Carlos Sainz. He's felt like he's, he's just been missing out on pole positions by really fine margins in the second half of the year. He's really come on tap in a way he wasn't, at the start of the year. And it's funny because Pole at the Circuit of the America is almost a little bit cursed. Five of the last seven races, the guy starting seconds actually led into the first lap. It's a, it's a weird place for Pole, and that proved true again, but unfortunately the uh, disappointing postscript was that he was absolutely punted out of the race by An uncharacteristic mistake by George Russell as well. He's better than that kind of error, And I think he's admitted that as well after the race. And it just means that Carlos Sainz continues to struggle to build that momentum. Certainly at this point in the season, through no fault of his own. At the start of the year, it was his mistake. Second half of the year, it's just been circumstances out of his control. And he really wants to build some momentum into next year when it's a bit of a reset, when you feel like he's closer on pace to Charles Leclerc, who's absolutely been the leader of that team. And that could be important, of course, if the Ferrari does step up its game and becomes a real title contender, as opposed to this year where it petered out because he absolutely backs himself to be a championship contender. But races like this are not going to give him that momentum he'll need.
3: Hey, we spent a lot of time, as we should, speaking about Oscar Piastri in in recent months and years. But you've reported today on on Jack Doohan, of course, who's who's the son of uh, a legendary um, motorbike rider, Mick, might get a look at the Mexico Grand Prix anyway in, um, in having his first spin. Can you let us in on Jack Doohan and his development?
5: Yeah, so he's the logical successor to Oscar Piastri at the Alpine program. They were both Alpine juniors. Piastri is, well, he technically still is, but he won't be next year. We know he's going to McLaren. And that means that Duan sort of inherited the mantle as the most senior young driver there. And he's having a great season in Formula 2. He sort of started as a little bit of an underrated prospect. Now he's fourth in the championship and could finish as high as third. That comes off the back of runner-up in Formula 3. And a runner-up in Formula 3 Asia before that. So he sort of got the credentials there, a little bit understated because he hasn't won them, but has always been pretty close to pace. And Alpine needs to give two of its practice sessions to a rookie driver. They are the rules. And it was meant to be Piastri, course that's not going to happen because he's going to be racing for a rival next year and they've only got three races left to do it and really the last uh, two of those three races are, are obvious ones and as a result it's jack who's getting the nod and that's interesting because well if he wins the championship next year in formula two and alpine says that's what he'll be doing he'll be racing in formula two next year then he'll have to be promoted to formula one or not get a formula one seat of course and this is now part of his preparations to essentially pick up where piastri left off and that's i mean offers the potential, not only of there being maybe two Australians on the grid in a couple of years, but if Daniel comes back, of course, maybe even three. And that's really exciting. It's almost pretty much unprecedented for yeah. Australia in Formula 1. And it's just great to have this young driver now to root for, for his success.
3: The future's bright, isn't it? I was going to ask you that. I mean, I'm not sure where it, how it compares historically. But if you have two young guns coming through and, and, and Dan can get himself a seat going forward and uh, continue to contend again, then that's, uh, well, you said unprecedented, but that's exciting times to have three on the grid.
5: Yeah, it really is, and three so well-rated. I mean, Oscar Piastri is rated as one of the best of his generation. His achievements are are really massive. Matt's really only by the likes of Charles Leclerc and George Russell, and we all know what Daniel's capable of when the car works, so we certainly absolutely hope he can be back in 2024 in a competitive seat. And and Jack is a little bit, I don't want to say underrated, because I think now we're starting to rate him well, but he's been sort of a little bit of a quiet achiever, I think. And if he can consolidate that next season, this is only his first season in F2 Mm. as well, then he'll really start to be considered as a really bright prospect. We may even get the prospect of of other teams trying to bid for his services, um, and much as Alpine would hate to lose with other drivers. So that would be the really impressive part. Not that we might just have three sort of hanging around, but three really good quality drivers on the grid. I mean, it would be a dream.
3: Michael, just before we let you go, I know this is a question without notice and one you might not have an answer for at the moment, but is there any talk at the moment around the calendar for next year and where Albert Park might sit in the mix and in the order of things going into 2023
5: yeah so for next year it'll be round three and off the top of my head and i might get the exact date wrong i think it's around the 5th of april or the start right. of april not too far away from where it was this year but the good news is from 2024 i think we'll have two opening rounds so for 2024 and maybe for 2025 will be the first round again and we have a certain number of first round guarantees over the course of the 10-year contract that starts next year, I think it is. So we will be back to round one eventually, rotating with some of the, the Middle Eastern rounds that have got it recently. But for next year, I think we're looking forward to round three. Does it make a difference, do you think? It, I think it makes a difference for, for some of the people who might be travelling to the race. There's definitely a buzz around Albert Park when it's the first race of the season, the mm. first time you get to see the you know, your new drivers and new cars and that kind of thing. But there is still pros to being a little bit later in the season in the sense that, you kind of know who the, the sort of heroes of the sport might be, the protagonists who needs to do well and who needs to who needs to uh, you know maybe defend where the positions they are. I thought this year's race actually ended up being quite good for that reason. So I don't think it's the end of the world not to be the first race of the season, but there is definitely a, a little bit of extra hype you get when you are.
3: Yeah, and I suppose the narrative builds, though, when it comes in-season like it did this year. And, and goodness me, I will probably need to say after the last couple of years, we'll take it at any stage of the season, won't we? It was great to have back <laughs> at Albert Park. Michael, great to talk to you. So much happening in Formula One on and off the track. I appreciate your expertise this afternoon. Thanks, guys. Anytime. And Michael Laminato there off the text from Craig. I said he's had a harsh assessment earlier. Well, he's doubled down with this offering. When Ricardo ran from a fight with Verstappen and left Red Bull, his career was over. I have no doubt deep down he knew he wasn't good enough to compete with Max. Today, Max is world champion. Ricardo is finished. He was correct. Well, he might not be finished, Craig. Well, let's hope not. Anyway, uh, from a B in Moldura, sad to see Ricardo struggle. People say his last four years have been rubbish, but his second season at Renault was actually a success. He hasn't lost his ability overnight. Let's hope he gets one last chance, Jeff. Money from Lando's dad meant Dan was always going to be given a tractor to drive now he's being let go. McLaren aren't even servicing the tractor, so um he knows his stuff, Michael lamanado and uh, always plenty of talking points when it comes to the Formula One circus and it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Dan Ricardo in the next twelve to eighteen months. uh Tyler is texting St Kilda to have another announcement today on their assistant coach meetings this morning. At RSEO Park with employees, totally, you're right, and uh, it was, it's been in the offering for in the offering for some time, and I tell you, they're teasing it out on Twitter. The Saints, they are teasing it out. There was a tweet earlier this morning, if you could bring one former Saint back to the club, who would it be? And now we've got oh, a nice little sort of mystery building with a, a bit of video of an arm and a hand picking up some turf at, uh, at Maraban there and flicking it up in the air, saying there's no place like. Home. So we await confirmation of the identity of St Kilda's uh, latest senior coach, set to be Robert Harvey. Certainly a familiar face that would be if that was to become fact. But I think that'll come to fruition before we get off the air at three o'clock. Some news out of the NBA early season wobbles for Ben Simmons at Brooklyn. So he's now fouled out in two of the three games he and the Nets have featured in this season. Uh, They're soon to slip to another loss, so they'll be one and two on the season. But Ben Simmons, across the three games, 17 points, 14 fouls, and as I say, has fouled out in two of the three games he has played in. Uh, We'll take a break for the news. A lot of your techs still to get through. Uh, This one on Magic Round from Damien. Valenies will surely have something to say if New South Wales has the Festival of AFL in Easter, given the racing carnival at that time is very popular up there. Uh, News headlines up next, and we'll be back on the other side of that. What Welcome back. Sam Edmonds, sitting in for Dwayne Russell. Just one last text. It's from Andrew in Cranbourne on Danny Ricciardo. The only reason uh, Danny left Red Bull was because it was very evident that Red Bull was going to favour Max Verstappen over him. He saw the writing on the wall. Uh, we all saw the writing on the wall for Robert Harvey and in the break confirmed by the Saints that uh, the Brownlow medalist, two-time Brownlow medalist and one of St Kilda's absolute favourite sons is returning to Moorabbin as an assistant coach. Isn't this a... Real flavour of the band getting back together here. Lenny Hayes back, Robert Harvey back, uh, Ross Lyon back. 383-game career um, that we've run out of superlatives for, to be honest, um, Robert Harvey. But now a long-time assistant coach and returning uh, to the Saints uh, under Ross Lyon. The CEO, Simon Lethleen, said in a statement, Robert is incredibly well-credentialed uh, an assistant coach, and we are thrilled to have him join us for the upcoming season. His connection with the club is undeniable, having become one of modern-day football's most decorated players during his time here. While we understand for Saints fans, the idea of Rob and Lenny back together is extremely nostalgic, it should also be very exciting given their coaching expertise We have many young players whose potential we really believe in and we're looking forward to seeing where they can go under the guidance of our entire coaching group. It's a coaching group that commands instant respect, though, doesn't it? Like Lenny Hayes, Robert Harvey, what more can be said? Ross Lyon, of course, with his resume and the respect that he will command coming back in. So... Look, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a well-resourced team they are put together, I would have thought, at St Kilda. Joey Montagna would be the assistant coach I'd get. One of the best footy brains out there. That's from Simon in Franks. I'm not sure if he wants to do that, to be honest. Simon, I think he's pretty happy in the media and doing a, a really good job of it too. Um, if Robert Harvey is heading back to the Saints, says Harley in Preston, who would be in line to take over from him at the Hawks? That's a good question, Harley And Hawthorne putting a, a statement out moments ago, um, confirming the news that Robert Harvey... Is uh is bound for St Kilda and some Saints members texting through during the break as well, saying members were informed via text. I like the the fact clubs do that now, let their members in uh, a little bit earlier than everyone else. I wonder if Brett Ratton... um. Goes to Hall, back to Hawthorne, goes to North Melbourne. Um, who knows where he will end up? Surely he will be re employed if he wants to be next season, albeit it's late in the in the piece, but surely there'd be a spot for him. Susan's text in, Sam. I don't know that much about Formula One. However, Daniel Ricardo has shown great driving ability. Let's hope he can overcome this slump. Come to Australia for the Grand Prix at Albert Park next year. People are uh people are quick to stick. The boot, in. Um, the boot got stuck in in the A-League, or did it? There was a straight red card, I tell you, on the weekend that uh, I'm not sure where it rates on the uh, on the Howler charts, but we might put that question to Simon Hill because he's a part of the furniture here on Dwayne's World uh, each and every weekend after the break. The voice of football is going to join us. Brick Lane One Love
0: Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink
2: responsibly.
1: Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data.
2: Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back. Sam Edmund sitting in for
3: the pipe within till three o'clock, of course, before the drive squad uh, resume. Andy and Gazy not too far away. Clinton's text in uh, Sam, can you please ask Simon how some of the socceroo's potentials? are going in the A league and whether they are playing themselves into or out of a World Cup squad spot we'll do when we get him on Clinton hopefully Simon Hill not too far away and yeah the World Cup FIFA World Cup that's going to creep up on us really quickly next month um out of Qatar over there uh, in the Middle East so looking forward uh, to that absolutely and the Socceroos qualifying against all the odds in the end so for I think a fifth successive World Cup. So that will be big. The other thing we need to talk about as well today is the AFL um, earlier today um, released the final report of the Independent Review that it had commissioned uh, a while back now into... Associate Professor Paul McCrory, obviously allegations against him relating to plagiarism and, uh, and other issues connected with the research and the medical work on sports-related concussion in the AFL. Well, upon releasing that, research, that report, the AFL has actually moved to apologise to past players for what they described as an underfunded and under-resourced concussion research project. So... They did receive that final report into that independent review. I mentioned that was commissioned. Well, it was commissioned earlier this year. Andrew Dillon, General Counselor at the AFL, uh, and acknowledged a number of inadequacies, quote, unquote, cited in the AFL's concussion research between 2014 and 2019. And it's a 260-page report documented by an independent panel of experts over the last six months. And it did also, as I say, investigate those plagiarism claims against the Associate Professor Paul McCrory, who was a former concussion advisor at the AFL, finding an embarrassing blemish, as they called it, on his professional and academic reputation. But it's worth noting, in fact, important that we do note, that the panel did find that McCrory's identified instances of plagiarism did not affect or taint the work he had undertaken while advising the league on its guidelines for concussion. That's what the AFL stressed in that statement earlier on today. Uh, hopefully, Simon, not too far away. But Mark is in back of Smarsh. Happy to open up the lines while we are waiting. One Seven three six seven three six is the open line for Werribee Kia, most prestigious national Kia car dealer of the year. Werribee Kia, where else? So give us a call one three hundred seven three six seven three six. While we're waiting for Simon, as Mark has done in backer smash. How are you, Mark? Hey Sammy, mate!
16: Great show. I've got an idea for the Western Bulldogs with the drafts and so on. Now you can trade on the night of draft night your picks and so on from. Yep. With the new rules. Now, the Dogs got two first-round picks this year. Well, uh, so, and they've also got two next year. So if I was the Dogs, I would take their first rounds for this year and try and trade them. GWS have got three
7: mm-hmm.
16: and say, look, give us your first round next year. We'll give you our first round this year. That'll give GWS four this year. That gives them strength. They'll probably go, Fantastic. If we can then get the other one and trade it to another team, say like North Melbourne, you give us our, your first next year, we'll give you another first this year. That gives you three first round this year to rebuild your list. The dogs go into next year with four first round picks. That means that when it's trade period, they've now got strength. Yep. They've got first, four first round picks. So they have got power and they've got strength. The dog's list is that deep that they should have a real good look this year at what they've already got and then reassess next year. I don't I think they could go a year without first round draft choices this year because of their list they've already got. Next year that means they've got so much power, even if they don't trade and use them, they go to the draft before first round picks.
7: Yeah. Yeah. I just got...
16: think that strategy wise, looking down long term, I think they could really position themselves well by using these two first rounds this year and get rid of him.
3: As good as the year that he had, um, I speak of Josh Dunkley, Mark, can he be absorbed going forward, do you think? What was your level of disappointment like when it came to that trade request? Look, the level of disappointment is huge. And I think we
16: didn't get... I think we should have got 15 for him. Mm. And Brisbane should have given him that because he's at least worth 15, not 21. But anyway, it's another thing. But if then we can use the Dunkley first round, if we can use the Dunkley trade that we got for him, pick 21 this year as a first rounder for next year, we traded off. We could actually turn the Dunkley trade into something really strong for next year because we've already got a first round for Brisbane for him for next year as well. Yep, yep. So if we can turn pick 21 into a first round next year, then essentially we've got two first round picks next year for, for Dunkley. That's probably a good result considering we had to give up a gun, which I'd rather keep But hey. If I can get two first rounds next year, I'll just, I'll take it. I guess.
3: I uh, appreciate the call, Mark. Yeah, obviously clubs can uh, trade picks up until uh, right up until the draft. It's on uh, 28th and 29th of November, as I said earlier. Good on you, Mark. Appreciate uh, that. That was one of the big moves of the trade period, wasn't it, Josh Dunkley requesting, and eventually after some um, bit of brinksmanship, really, at the at the death there with Josh Dunkley getting uh, his way to Brisbane as he wanted. Uh, not everyone as positive as I was with the St Kilda uh, coaching set-up. All these St Kilda people that never won anything as players or coaches back together again. Brett Ratten has one more premiership, Carlton in 95, Then all of them put together, says this texter. Sounds like a boys' club, says another. Now it's St Kilda. I'm not sure if that's a good thing. That's Frank in, in Mill Park. Um, Gee, some pretty... Uh, Pretty tough feedback off the text. Uh, Ross Liney spoke yesterday, went out and had a listen to Ross upon his unveiling as the new St Kilda coach out there at RSEA Park. And that narrative that we just referenced off the temper, 40 Wings Temper text just then, well, Ross was growing sick and tired of that as he detailed at yesterday's press conference.
19: I almost wanted to chirp up at the press conference, you know. So, but, you know, you've know that stat. I'm standing there with a group of people and you know, bloke walks up, or you know the stat of, you know, Dangerfield and St Kilda and I was like, oh, what are you talking about? You know, well, oh, you know, Dangerfield's played as many finals as Saint Kilda has in its history or something. I was like, oh, I'm gonna piss off you know? <laughs> so uh, just you know, so excuse the language, but I was like, it really irked me and then there's a little bit they're irrelevant. I don't know, I just think like they live almost in the best part of Melbourne and I am a space site, they've got an incredible facility. They've been in grand finals in the recent past. Um, they've produced great players. They've got 60,000 members. They've got great sponsors like RSEA and, and those type of things. And I think I think they've got a lot going for them. You know, when I was like, why would the Goog go to St Kilda? I'm the classified, I said, to Lordy, well, why wouldn't he go? <laughs> Whatever they got, you know. So yeah, I mean, you've probably shackled up with, just shackles up with Melbourne over the time because you you know the quality of the place and the history of the place. So that's what I was talking about there. So, I mean, you can stand there and defend it or you can get in and try and do something and put your, roll your sleeves up.
3: Apologies. That was Ross Line, of course, with Gary and Kane, with Korn earlier on this morning Then um, on the narrative around St Kilda bothering him. Imagine rolling up to him at the September Club and bringing out that Paddy Dangerfield stat. I suppose if that was going to happen anywhere, it probably would be at the September well, Club.
19: The they said they're not appealing. I send back the emoji thumbs up and we all move on.
3: A-Rod hey, has just been dying to play that all day. Hey, Joe's text in. Sammy, bit of a heads up. I think you might find yourself on off the bench this Saturday, Ree, your pronunciation of kata. Well, actually, J-Dog, no. And if I am, then bring it on. Because I was like you. I used to think it was Qatar. And then I flew on their airline, and they all pronounce it Qatar. And that was enough for me. So I've been forever changed since then, um, another public service announcement: Simon Hill now at a two thirty start, which is fine. We do that for Hilly. We'll push him back forty minutes. Um, we can do that for the Great. So we'll have a chat to Simon Hill out at two thirty. Still musical Tuesday, I'm told. Even though A Rod's gone a little bit, a little bit rogue on us and started playing his own back catalogue, he tells me he assures me he's still taking your request. Text them through on the Temper Forty Winks text machine one 736 to have a chat to us. We encourage you to do that. 043398 1116. On the 40 Winks Tempo, We can get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Perfect
0: for all occasions and the ultimate crowd pleaser. Drink responsibly.
1: Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data.
2: Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back. This is Dwayne's World. Uh,
3: Sammy Edmonds sitting in for the pipe. Uh, well, we've got Australia's World Cup. Defence goes back on the line tonight. Started uh, disastrously, let's be honest. But uh, they can start riding the ship against Sri Lanka tonight in Perth. The Aussies. Bryce McGain not too far away from joining us. Uh, I just wonder, do they blink, the selectors, and change things straight away? Or do they back in the current squad to dig themselves out of this mess? What would you be doing? Would it change? Be panic stuff? Or would a change be common sense? And and dare I ask, I mean, the fallout if a loss comes against Sri Lanka tonight or even England on Friday night in the short term, that obviously means World Cup over. But what about the long-term ramifications of uh, a disastrous World Cup defence? I mean, having said that, not losing three wickets inside the power play would obviously help tonight, (laughs) would uh, perhaps not expose uh, some of those big hitters, Maxwell Stoinis, Tim David, to the crease as early as they had to do it um, against New Zealand first up, where uh, as Jared Waitley said, they walked straight into an ambush. So that will help. Not losing three wickets in the power play. So if it's me, I'm backing in the current group, and then I'm probably making a change anyway going into that third game um, at the MCG against England on the 28th. Maybe you do bring in an anchor like Steve Smith. Uh, you're welcome to have your say on that. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can drop us a text. As well, 0433981116, uh, all thanks to the 40 Winks temper text. Um, Off the text as well, footy never stops, does it? Um, People are, I think it was Susan that was asking here, you know, with Robert Harvey coming back to the Saints, what does it mean for Jared Ruffhead? That's from Susan. Um, the Bulldogs should do everything possible to lure back premiership legend Matthew Boyd as their defensive coach and also as their defensive systems coach. He's currently performing brilliantly as Fremantle's defensive coach. So that's from uh, from J-Dog. I don't think there's going to be any further appointments at the Western Bulldogs. are. They got Brendan Laid in, um, incidentally, from St Kilda and they're pretty much set and settled now as much as they can be anyway, given it's uh, at the moment the final year of Luke Beveridge's contract in 2023. So it is a... Big year at the Dogs. Uh, speaking of the Dogs, I love Dog, Doug Hawkins to come back to the Dogs. He'd be a great assistant coach, especially for the wingers. Come back, Doug, and he'll bring a few laughs with him. Manure. I'm not so sure about Manua. not so sure uh, Dougie Hawkins will be back uh, at the Witten Oval anytime soon. Matt says, we'd love to see Nathan Buckley back at the Pies one day as well. And we're on that subject, weren't we? Um, in relation to Robert Harvey going back to St Kilda, so what cricket changes will you make? One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Watching India as well, the way they beat Pakistan as well, has that enhanced our thoughts on on India and their standing in the tournament and their credentials? And what does it mean for a, a side like Pakistan as well, who went down narrow? I can't believe they managed to lose that game from pretty much a winnable position, Pakistan. But that's a conversation for another time now because we need to zero our focus in on tonight. 10 o'clock Eastern, of course, Australia and Sri Lanka. And Bryce McCain joins us on the line. Welcome to you, Bryce. G'day, Sam. Great to be catching up with you once again. Great to hear your voice. Has been a while. Um, I wanted to ask you what I was asking the listeners a little bit earlier. What would you be doing? Would a... Would a selection change here be panic stuff or or common sense? What side of the fence do you sit on, particularly around our our batting lineup and the particulars of that?
4: Well, there's a few considerations, isn't there? And uh, I guess the first part is around, do we go in with our three quicks? Um, Every other team that's been successful at T20 cricket tends to have a couple of front-end spinners. And uh, most other teams are in that sort of position where we've sort of backed in our Mm. fast bowlers. I don't think it worked at the SCG. Them? I don't think it did. But having said that, we then go to Perth. Mm. It's fast and bouncy. We'll then go to the MCG for that next game, and it's fast and bouncy. Then we go to the Gabba. It's fast and bouncy. And don't, and I did say the MCG is fast and bouncy. Trust me, it's quick, and it does have a whole lot of carry in it. So three next games against Sri Lanka, England, and Ireland are on really bouncy, fast wickets that... I think it's it's probably an advantage to play those quicks. What they might look to do, however, is make a call on one of them and look to maybe slide in uh, Cameron Green, who's been absolutely outstanding at the top of the order in particular, but also bowls over 145 and can do the job of one of the quicks. So I I dug a bit different and thought, well, okay, let's have a look at where our fast bowlers rank in the world. Like, Where are they? Are, Are they that good? Because we know, and we've seen performances throughout our lifetime over the last sort of five, six, seven years of T Twenty cricket that we're mesmerised with. You know, is is Stark the, the the man? He's ranked forty two in the world in T Twenty cricket. Cummins is ranked forty five in the world at cricket. Our top bowler, Josh Hazelwood, he's number one in the world, so he does uh, warrant his selection. And our num- and the number seven bowler in the world, Adam Zampa. So we go with that. The next bowler in our list is Ashton Nagar at 20. So it goes to show that maybe you know we're tra- and we're putting trust in players that we know have done it for a long time, and I, I respect that, and I think that's where the selectors will go again. I don't think they'll make a change. But having said that, sometimes the form is is not what's right under your nose right at this
3: moment. Yeah, it is interesting how you go to the bowling first. And, and look, I suppose New Zealand did take us for 200. But a lot of the narrative around it has been the batting performance. And some might argue, well, they didn't get a decent crack at it. The, the bowlers didn't give them a chance. And you're losing three wickets inside the power play, as I said earlier, before you joined us, Bryce, is something that you wouldn't want repeated. And and perhaps, you know, those more explosive hitters that we do possess in this current lineup don't have to get to the crease so early. So would you back in the current group of batsmen that we've got to correct themselves tonight?
4: Yeah, once again, look, for me, uh, the bowling group will win you a tournament. That's how it'll be. (laughs) The bowling group will do that. The batters will set things up. Mm. And I think, and that's my opinion of it. Other people have other opinions. I get it. But I think the bowlers will win your T20 games and they'll win you the tournament. Um, And getting that formula right is going to be important. I'd love to see Maxwell bowl a bit more. But back onto the batting. We're putting a lot of trust in our, in our captain and uh, and Dave Warnett. They were the best pairing in world cricket at, at the opening stand. They were absolutely outstanding, and they have been for many, many years, and I understand why they're still going with that. But there's a guy that performed really well over in India in Cameron Green. Look, I happened to be sitting around at that time. I was in India at the, the same time. We are on a legends tour. It was kind of a whole lot of Aussie legends, and then Bryce came along and bowled a few leggies as well. But... Uh, Nonetheless, they had their mouth open at the the talent of that of Cameron Green, and it made me really twig to, the, I'm talking the likes of Watson and Lee and and so forth. hadn't all those guys saw him playing, going, "How is this guy doing it? He does this. He belts the ball everywhere, but he also bowls 145." And and to think that he wasn't in the World Cup squad originally, so yeah. he's got that ticket in there now. He could be a really good. It's not a wild card. It's not a Hail Mary. This guy's performing right under our nose, and he's doing really well. So maybe the change will come. Having said all that, Sam, I don't reckon they'll make a change for
7: tonight.
4: <laughs> I, I think they'll back their their team in, and and they'll do that. But I, it's just food for thought, isn't it? That sometimes we we get a little mesmerised of past performance and what their potential is, and what their long term record is, but. What's happening right now? And, um, you know, I I think there's some young talent that's, that's, you know, standing up really well. And, you know, there's also a a young left-arm spinner who can bat pretty well and field the house down as well. So there's some opportunity potentially throughout the tournament later on for them.
3: Pretty hard to get a read on Sri Lanka, obviously. Um, I think more... So, because of the opposition, Bryce. I mean, um, Ireland last time out. Um, before that, they were too good for the Netherlands. So, not exactly uh, cricket powerhouses. And I know uh, they might have lost to Namibia first up as, as one of their warm up games as well. But uh, what what do we need to be mindful of when we come up against Sri Lanka or not?
4: Yeah, I had a good look at them, and I, I did commentate uh, on SEN on all their all the games. Uh, through that phase of the tournament, uh, big shock obviously getting done by Namibia, yeah. but then they sort of really got things going. They have two of the best t20 spinners going around. number three in the world is uh, Hasaranga. and then they 've got Sixshana, uh, Th- who 's at number six, so they 've got three and six one balls off spin uh, Hassaranga is a league spinner, and that is where Australia do sometimes struggle. The batting against genuine, really good T20 spin bowlers. Sixana can bowl in the power play up early and he can also bowl through the middle and uh, Hasaranga basically lock him in for over number seven, over number nine and probably over number 11. He'll come on when the field is spread and it's very, very hard to get away. They'll also put in some really good tight field and their inner circle really puts some pressure on. So you can't just dink it into the onside and get a run. They'll keep their mid-wicket in it for as long as they possibly can. So that's what we can expect in that middle order. So it's not going to be easy for that middle order group, that Australian, which we call our power uh, house, I suppose. With those guys, it's not going to be easy for them. So with those two top-end spinners, you know, the best going around just about. So that's what we can expect there. They're also... um, uh, Mendes has been pretty good. Cusel Mendes, the wicketkeeper at the top of the order with the bat. He's really dynamic and the openers are prepared to hit over the infield. So they'll take on the pace. That's probably their Achilles heel. I think when the pace got up, some of the teams had some fast bowlers that pushed the 140. The Sri Lankan guys got a little toey. Australia have got three guys over 140. And mm. I think that could play into Australia's hand, particularly in Perth. It's And it's a fast, bouncy wicket. It's just how it is. So it's going to be a little uncomfortable for Sri Lanka. So... With all that said, I think Australia will bounce back and, uh, and, and um, get back on the winning um, path now. But their net run rate is so bad, Sam. It is four, negative four. Imagine that, yeah. negative four runs. Per over, they've been absolutely demolished with their net run rate. So they'll need to win and win well and continue to do that for the remaining four games at yeah. this
3: stage. So I know we all we all crystal ball this time and it's difficult, isn't it, Bryce? But there's so much of that to do at this point when it comes to the Aussies. But if what does it rain mean on Friday at the MCG? So um, let's say they, they beat Sri Lanka relatively comfortably. If there, if there is a washout at the MCG, I mean, how much does that hurt them if you're to get your, your mathematical book out?
4: Yeah, look, it, it certainly will. And it'll, it'll have an impact to South Africa last night. They were washed out in Hobart yeah. and they were cruising to a victory um, and, and that, that gets uh, kiboshed out. So that'll impact them just getting the one point from that. So, look, it will have an impact. There's no doubt about it, uh, that, that having that. But this is a group no one's going to go through undefeated. New Zealand won't go through undefeated. Someone will get them. England will get them when they play. This is a group that's going to win and lose against each other a fair bit. Sri Lanka will surprise some. Um, Afghanistan, well, you know, they've got some top-end spinners as well. And that's where it happens. Rashid Khan, who we know so well through the big bash of the Adelaide Strikers. But they've also got Majeeb as well. So they've got these top-end spinners that can make a huge impact for eight overs of a batting inning. So... Um, they, they Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale so Brewed I by the, the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing Drink
0: responsible
1: Switch Maybe to Cogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days too with too 20 gig of
3: Dwayne's World with Dwayne,
1: We're We're Dwayne Russell
2: <laughs> Um, Well, it's going to be a fascinating watch tonight,
3: isn't it? Because so many players out for redemption, of course, after an opener against New Zealand, whether it be with bat or ball, Bryce. So high stakes now, high pressure as well. Look forward to watching it tonight. Great to have your insights this afternoon as always. Yeah, it's going to be awesome tonight, Sam. Look forward to seeing it. And you have a ripper up. Good on you, Bryce. Bryce McGee there, SEN cricket expert, sharing some time with us out of tonight's game. Australia's ranked Sri Lanka. the Stadium in Perth, 10 o'clock start Eastern time with that one. That's do or die and we're only in game two. So it's going to be a nice one. We'll take a break here on Dwayne Paul back right up. That is not my... That's not who I'm So. That was LeBron James, asked about Russell Westbrook yesterday. The LA Lakers, a winless start to this new NBA season. Now zip and three after yesterday's loss to Portland. So we couldn't wait to get this man on. It's a great pleasure to have him on. He's the host of Lakers Nation and the front office show as well. Trevor Lane joins us on the line from uh, North America, from Los Angeles. Welcome to you, Trevor, and thanks a lot for your time. Oh, no problem. Thank you
17: so much for having me.
3: Well, we might as well cut straight to the chase. I mean, what are we dealing with here in in LA at the moment, Trevor? Is is there a problem? Is there a problem in Los Angeles at the moment with your Lakers?
17: Well, yeah, they are. They're zero and three on the season right now. No wins, and they are shooting extremely poorly. In fact, they are shooting. It's a, it's a twenty-year low for the Lakers. There's no team in the last 20 years that have, shot, that have shot this poorly from behind the three-point line, so that's been a big problem for them, and last night, they had a game against the Portland Trailblazers that seemed to be in hand, seemed to be a win just waiting to happen, and they found a way uh, to fumble it at the end, and the Portland Trailblazers won that game, and a lot of criticism on Russell Westbrook for his uh, shot selection at the end of that game, so right now, they're hurting. They don't have a win yet on the season. And uh, it seems like they gave away a win in their last game. So Lakers fans are not too thrilled with what's going on.
3: And now, Trevor, I wanted to ask you about this shot from Russell Westbrook. What, what was your reaction when he took it? You know, leading by one point with 30 seconds left when it would have been pretty easy for him to chew up some clock, obviously.
17: Yeah, I was I was calling the game live for Lakers Nation when it happened, and I was in disbelief. I couldn't believe that he took that shot. Typical strategy at that point in the game would be for a, for a player to run the clock and try to find the best shot possible and give the Blazers as little time as possible to try to either tie the game or, or take the lead or, or wherever the situation calls for. But when you're up a point like that, Russell Westbrook said he was trying to go two for one. Mm. He was trying to take one shot and then get another one when you get the possession back. But that just that doesn't make sense at any level to to make that play. And so there was frustration. You could see it from Lakers players on the floor. You could hear it from fans in the building. We were shocked that, it, that he took that shot. And uh, it's really just exacerbated the level of concern that Lakers fans have already had with Russell Westbrook and his play with this team. it's unfortunate. He's done some good things in the defensive end of the floor this year, uh, better than we've seen in, in uh, recent seasons for sure. Uh, he's not going to get credit for that, though, when he's uh, when he's taking shots like the one that he did.
3: And and just on this, Trevor, now, obviously, as far as the fans are concerned, I know that yeah. You know, obviously the recruitment of him still remains a talking point. Are they looking for people to blame? I mean, is there someone at fault for this? Is there a real yearning to blame someone for this for this recruiting decision?
17: Yeah, I mean, definitely. There are a lot of fans who put the blame on general manager Rob Palenka. Uh, that has been going around quite a bit. But the Lakers actually just gave Rob Pelinka a four-year extension. So he's going to be making decisions for the team for at least the next four mm. years here. He's under contract. Um, and that was a bit of a surprise, too. The Lakers did not announce that publicly. Uh, it happened before they actually hired Darvin Ham. So we're talking about this past spring. Uh, they didn't announce it pu- publicly. You can probably guess that they did that knowing that the reaction would not have been positive uh, had that gotten out when it did. I mean, they just fired their head coach, Frank Vogel, because of the season. And then they turned around and gave their general manager, who put together the roster that had a terrible season last year, uh, a four-year extension. So that was a bit of a head-scratcher. Uh, there is plenty of blame to go around, though. It's not all on Rob Flink. It's not all on the front office. It's not all on Russell Westbrook or LeBron James or Anthony Davis or Clutch Sports or everybody takes share of the blame for what's gone on with this team over the last season plus now. And uh, they're going to have to come together and figure out a way to right the ship. Ultimately, there'll probably be some sort of a trade uh, involving Russell Westbrook. I think that's just a matter of time. But uh, until then, they've got to figure out a way to right the wrongs as best as they possibly can on the court.
3: I was going to ask you that, actually. Do you think it's a fait accompli that he's, he's traded throughout the course of the season at some particular point, Russell Westbrook? Is there any chance that he could dig himself out of it and restore his status at, at the club? Or you think it's just a matter of time, as you said?
17: Yeah, I think it's just a matter of time. You know, even if even if Russell Westbrook was playing well, the things that he does well aren't really things that this team needs in terms of this team needs defensive wing players who can guard some of the bigger, higher-scoring wings in the NBA, guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Giannis and Luka and all those types of players. And that's not going to be Russell Westbrook. And they need guys who can shoot and space the floor. And even at his best, that's also not going to be Russell Westbrook. So a trade makes sense, even if he wasn't playing poorly, the fact that he is only makes it that much of a necessity that they do move on from him. They were they were so close to trading him right before the season really started up, right before media day. They had a deal that was all set with the Indiana Pacers at the last minute. The Lakers pulled the plug on it, uh, hoping that something better comes along. That's more to their liking. The deal would have brought them Miles Turner and Buddy Heald from the Pacers. Uh, but they're hoping that something better comes along during the season. But again, the clock is ticking, and the more they lose games like this, the more the pressure is going to grow on them to find a trade to finally balance out this roster, because it's clear the pieces don't quite fit as is.
3: And it doesn't get any easier in the short term either, so Jogic and the Nuggets tomorrow, and then if you'd have cast forward even further than that in, in terms of, you mentioned Trey, but in when it comes to the draft um, phase of the year as well, they don't have their first-round pick either this season, which is which is at New Orleans, following the Anthony Davis trade as well. So we can we can get pretty dark and gloomy about it all, can't we?
17: Yeah, it definitely is tough in, in that regard. You know, so they, they have a pick swap this year with the Pelicans, which means that the Pelicans have a better pick than the Lakers do. Nothing will happen if the Lakers have a better pick than the Pelicans. The Pelicans will take the Lakers pick and they'll give um, the Lakers theirs. So... That's a tough spot because even if, even if you're saying, you know what, this clearly doesn't work, this team just needs to bottom out, tank, do everything they can to go try to get the number one pick, Victor Wambayama. they can't get it. Um, they can't because the Pelicans will take that pick from them in the pick swap. So there's no silver lining there. They've got to do everything they can to try to win basketball games right now using the assets that they've got. Perhaps that means a trade. But um, I will say on the plus side, this team has been shooting the ball so horribly mm-hmm. you have to imagine they're going to get better at that just naturally and their defense has been actually one of the best in the NBA through the first three seasons if their shooting comes around even a little bit they can still turn this around it's just a tough time so far here at the beginning of the season and that's not easing any fears that we already have when, coming into this one
3: so is there an obvious trade then Trevor I mean is there an identifiable name even already at this stage that uh, the fans the media can speculate upon or is it too early for that that could be brought in
17: yeah no I mean the the players that we've heard so far it's the package of Miles Turner and Buddy Heald from the Pacers that almost happened I think if the Pacers had included a second round pick or two that probably would have gotten done uh in exchange for Russell Westbrook the other names that we've heard out there Terry Rozier was a name that popped up again from the the, the Hornets and you could have perhaps uh, Kelly Oubre Jr you could have Uh, Gordon Hayward they could be involved in a trade there but Terry Rozier would be the centerpiece of that package for Russell Westbrook and of course the Lakers will be uh, adding in draft picks and then the other names that we've heard are Josh Richardson from the San Antonio Spurs with perhaps Doug McDermott and or Jakob Pirtle involved well so you've got three teams that have kind of and we've been hearing those three teams since back in July Mm. but you've got those three trades seem to be out there and the Lakers are waiting to see if anybody else pops up in the next 20 games or so, as the dust starts to settle around the NBA and teams start to get a good feel for really where they're at. Well,
3: they've got some work to do. There's no doubt about that, Trevor. Uh, Zip and three, they're a talking point already and will be, uh, regardless of what happens from here, especially in the trade space. I really appreciate your time. This afternoon, our time, Trevor, great to talk to you.
17: Oh, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
3: There's Trevor Lane there from Lakers Nation and the front office show uh, knows the Lakers inside and out, of course. Great to have him on the line. Uh, Simon Hill will join us uh, out of 2.30. We'll take these news headlines on Dwayne's World. We'll come back uh, with a host of the global game on SEN, which is on tonight, 9 o'clock, right around the country. Simon Hill on the other side of this. It gives me great pleasure to say Simon Hill's a weekly regular with us here on Dwayne's World, host of the global game, of course, tonight on SEN, 9 o'clock, right around the country. And the voice of the world game in this country joins us on the line. G'day, Simon. How are you, Sam. You all right? I'm very well. Great to talk to you. Appreciate you coming on as always. And to be honest, I couldn't wait because I couldn't wait to ask you about that red card to Hiroshi Ibisuki, the talking point out of Sydney and Adelaide's game last weekend. <laughs> Daniel Elder, straight to his pocket. I just wanna know, Simon. Now you, you held your tongue quite well in the broadcast. Where does this rate in the Howler Stakes?
20: Uh, look, you know, I, I'm going to give Daniel Elder uh, a little bit of a wide berth because I think as a referee, you get one look at it from one angle in real time. And I can understand in some ways how we thought it was a red card. But the issue for me is VAR. And <laughs> it always has been. You know, that's why VAR was brought in was to eradicate mistakes. Now, in my opinion, Daniel made a mistake, um, which should have been corrected by the VAR. And the real issue is is that it wasn't. And we saw the evidence of that last night with the match review panel that's overturned it. Mm. uh, And he's free to play. He doesn't have a suspension this week, which is something. But, you know, obviously Adelaide had to play you know, the best part of, uh, well, over half a game with uh, a man short. And up until that point, they were in control. They were leading 1-0. Did it cost them two points? We'll never know. But that's the problem for me. And and this is why I've never been in favour of VAR because, you know, you you can – I keep saying this – you can throw as much technology and as many machines – Uh, trying to eradicate mistakes. But at the end of the day, they've still got to be interpreted by real-life human beings. So the only thing that you're doing when you're adding VAR is adding another opinion. Mm. And if that opinion is still, you know, different to the vast majority of people, which I think in this case it was, then you've got a big problem. Um, So, you know, I, I think with... In sport generally, but particularly in football, we're constantly in search of the perfect game because we're bound to mob rule. And and for me, the issue really in in football is more cultural. If if we accepted the authority of the referee a little bit more and also accepted that from time to time they're going to make mistakes and live with that, then we'd be in a much better place. But... uh, Uh, Unfortunately, people now with technology believe that, you know, things can be perfect and they're just never going to be, unfortunately. And that should be celebrated. You know, it's a human game, Mm. a game of errors. Strikers make mistakes. Defenders do. Goalkeepers do. Commentators do. And so do referees. But we don't accept them from referees. And that's a big problem.
3: It was certainly a big talking point out of the weekend, no doubt about that. It could have been worse for Adelaide too. In the end, um, Sydney couldn't capitalise 1-1 in the end. How would you see the derby, Simon? Uh, victory now lost their last two under Tony Popovich. Had the captain sent off as well. How would you see this one? 2-0 lost to City, of course.
20: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a big blow for Victory. Um, obviously, again, it's something that you know hinges on a decision. It, this one's probably the right decision, to be fair. Um, you know, just prior to that, just Belante could have put Victory in front, Um and you know that that's, that obviously changes the complexion of the game, and city are just uh, you know they're a bit too good to be handing that sort of uh, an advantage to for the majority of the game. Uh, I, I thought they you know they finished the game in, in pretty clinical fashion that it's going to take a good team to stop them this year. victory will be okay they 'll be back, um, but a big disappointment for them to lose that derby for sure.
3: Cristiano Ronaldo, all the talk in the Premier League at the moment, isn't he? So didn't want to come on against Spurs, dropped from the squad against Chelsea. Where's he at at the moment? And and is he damaging, um, I guess, potential landing spots on the other side of United or do we all forgive and forget and move on pretty quick?
20: Well, I don't think there'll be a shortage of clubs that, you know, would be interested in his services uh, if he were to become available. And the rumour is, is that. You know, he might be available on, on a free transfer. Um, he's still a great talent, but he's you know the back end of his career is thirty seven, thirty eight. Uh, I think United and Eric Ten Hag, in particular, are w- well within their rights um, to you know treat him as any other player. He, he, I know he's one of the best players of his generation, but you know nothing lasts forever. And to me, I think he's becoming more of a distraction for Manchester United. it always had the potential to be this way when he came back for a second spell. Um, it, he doesn't fit in with the way Eric Ten Hag wants to play. He wants a high-pressing game. He wants players who are mobile and full of energy. And, and you know, Cristiano, at, at his advanced age, can't really do that anymore. But he could certainly do a job elsewhere. I, I don't think, you know, the petulant display that we saw last week when he refused to come on the pitch as a sub against Tottenham, uh, does him any favours. Not that it will damage his chances of getting a new club, but I, I just think it's bad PR for him and for Manchester United as well, which is probably one of the reasons why behind the scenes, and I don't know this for sure, but I suspect it strongly, that Eric Ten Hag is, is trying to move him on because you know he wants to rebuild that side in his own image. And I just don't think Chris, Cristiano Ronaldo fits into that.
3: Yeah, you do feel that everything that made him great in his prime is going to work against him in the twilight of his career, don't you? That fierce determination, that stubbornness and everything he still thinks he can be. Um, Stephen Gerrard, before we let you go, um, Simon Sacked as Aston Villa manager. It had been coming. Unai Emery, a familiar um, face and name in the league, comes in from Villarreal.
20: Yeah, and obviously, you know, he's had experience of of coaching or managing in the Premier League before with Arsenal. It wasn't a huge success, but he knows the competition. Uh, I think he's probably a good choice at this juncture. Um, I wonder if they, just wonder if they considered Andrew Postacoglu and whether, mm-hmm. had they approached him, whether he would have gone. Because they are a big club villa. Uh, maybe it's not the right time for him yet, but uh, as far as Steven Gerrard is concerned, it's massively disappointing uh, after all the success he had with Rangers. Uh, but sometimes this happens with, you know, younger, younger managers. Um, they have to take a step back to go forwards and, you know, I think he's shown enough already in his career that uh, he, he will bounce back at some point. Uh, just a bit surprised that you know, his, his signings didn't really work out. Philip Coutinho in particular has been a big disappointment after joining full-time this season. He showed such promise towards the back end of last year. But for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked for Villa this year. Um, so they've decided to go in a different direction. I think that's probably fair enough. Uh, but I think Steven Gerrard will be back at some point.
3: Fortunately, we're out of time, Simon. I really wanted to talk to you about Ange Postacoglu and um, his comments on Tommy Rogic, Thomas Laren Moy coming in and and cast head to next month, a reasonably big event called the World Cup. But I'm sure Dwayne will do that with you next week, mate. Um, Good luck with the show tonight and thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Sam. All the best. Have a good week. There's Simon Hill there, uh, host of the Global Game, as I said. Nine o'clock tonight, right across the country. Great show um, and always great to have Simon Hill on. Tully Gillard, she's going to be on after this. Uh, She's the Rising Star nominee. FLW defender with the Melbourne Football Club. She's after the break.
0: Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink
2: responsibly.
1: Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data.
2: Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Well,
3: we are on the eve of the final round of the AFLW home and away season with round 10 this weekend. Melbourne's young defender Talia Gillard enters it as the Rising Star nominee for round nine and she joins us on the line. Talia, good afternoon.
15: Hi, Sam. How are
3: you? I'm well. Congrats on the nomination. Always nice to get a reward along the way. You've got to be happy with that. Yeah,
15: definitely. Yeah, um, Really exciting news and you know, pleased to be awarded this.
3: And I guess you got it because you were instrumental in Sunday's 41-point win over Essendon, a glut of intercept possessions in that game alongside Libby Birch. I mean, I was keen to ask what sort of influence Libby's had on you in your career so far.
15: Yeah, she's had a huge impact. She's a great mentor and someone that I love working with and learning with. I think she's definitely one of the strongest defenders in the game at the moment. And like it's an honour to play alongside her. She definitely pushes me and is a huge reason to you know, why I've been growing um, and developing so quickly just because of her influence. So, yeah, so grateful for her.
3: And do you find that you've built a good chemistry together, playing alongside her as well? So not just the stuff off the off the field, but obviously mm-hmm. on it?
15: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think each game we get a stronger sort of partnership and understanding of each other's strengths. And you, you know, back each other in at different contests and you know when to leave it for each other. And just the trust, yeah, just growing each week.
3: So you're only 18. I mean, obviously playing as a key defender like you have all season, which is a steep learning curve. How have you found it?
15: Yeah, at times it can be a bit um, of a mental game just because you are that last line of defence. But the girls around me have so much belief and trust and I think that's why I'm able to, you know, excel at certain times of the game and they just back me in, which is um, something that, you know, you need as a key defender. And um, we work... You know, really well as a unit, so I think the reason why I'm, you know, confident in my abilities and how I'm playing is just because of the group around me.
3: Yeah, and I well, and just on that, playing in a side that's eight and one and scored the second most points in the competition is an obvious helping helping factor.
15: Yeah, definitely got some strong forwards and midfield group that you know help me out
3: from a collective point of view. What do you think? tali has been the key to the club's solid season so far. Do you think?
15: Uh, I think our connection and our determination for each other I think over the past couple of weeks we've been really focused on playing consistent footy in four quarters and I think that's been shown and I think that's just because we're playing for each other and yeah everything we're doing it's not for our own benefits benefit it's each other and and that mindset has really helped us out.
3: And and how much do you look into the, the, the other girls and think, you know, you wonder if last season, which, you know, uniquely was only earlier this year, is driving this group? I mean, you didn't play, but obviously the lost grand final to Adelaide last time out. I mean, do you have a sense of, you know, a, a driving motivation to go one better this season?
15: Yeah, I think that would definitely be a motivator. It's a horrible feeling to lose a grand final. And all you want to do is, you know, at the end of the day, be as successful as possible. And I think that's not something necessarily at the front of our minds, but we'll be definitely hoping to, you know, do one better.
3: So just on that, I mean, one more game to navigate in the home and away. As I said, you got the Eagles at at Casey this Saturday afternoon. So what's mixed in his message this week, given, you know, it would be easy to start thinking about finals and the bigger fish to fry, particularly given you know, West Coast have struggled a bit this season?
15: No, I think we just focus one week at a time. We never really look too far ahead. You know, we'll have our review this week and every competition has its strength and each sorry, um, you know, team has its strengths. So we'll go in knowing what they're going to bring, and we just hope to bring our best and and bring that consistent footy as we always try to. Do. Um, but no, we don't try a little too far ahead. Um, I don't think.
3: So Talia, one hundred and ninety centimeters. Well, you were when you were drafted anyway last year. Have you stopped? Have you stopped growing yet?
15: I think I've stopped growing now. I think I might be a couple centimeters taller than one ninety. Right. Um, but, <laughs> Assets and I'm back.
3: Yeah, so because I think, you correct me if I'm wrong, you were initially drafted as more of a ruck forward. I mean, that's where you spent, I think, in the majority of your time in your development years playing the game. Is that right?
15: Yeah, my juniors only ever played, you know, that ruck forward combo. So um, they definitely took, took me as a ruck. But the second I got into the club, they were pretty eager to develop me as a defender. And... Um, I'm really enjoying my role for the team at the moment.
3: Yeah. So who sort of instigated that? Was that mixed um, sort of decision or other uh, members of the coaching staff? And how did you react to the role change?
15: Uh, I think it was hugely decided by Todd Patterson and, yeah, Mick Steneer and, and extended staff. Uh, I think it was a bit of a shock, but I think that just shows um, the, the belief they had in me and they saw some um talent, I think, and really wanted to see where it could go and, Uh, The past two seasons, they've just been giving me as much support and resources to develop as quickly as possible. And, uh, yeah, I'm so grateful for everything they've provided me with and and the girls because I feel like I am understanding this role a lot better and um, hopefully delivering as best as I can.
3: Yeah, well, you certainly are so far. And I I almost have to, um, you know, beg your pardon to ask this question because I reckon with your surname, I've got a hazard a guess as to what it would be. But do you (laughs) have a nickname that uh, gets uh, thrown around the club a bit in your early Early parts of your career at Melbourne?
15: Yeah, definitely. I've got the nickname Jules. Um, as you can imagine. Um, Taylor came up with that one and it sort of it sort of stuck.
3: Yeah, it's not the most original one, is it? But it seems it seems fitting. And given, I just wanted to yeah. ask, going into finals, I mean, you don't get to play every team yet, which I know is obviously something that the, the industry wants to correct going forward, but do you have an appreciation of the pecking order in the competition? You know, the best team that perhaps you've personally come up against and you think the, the leading contenders come, come finals time next month?
15: Um, I think each team, like I said, has its strengths and some are, are stronger than others and that's just due to Yeah, how the fixes plan, like, you know, being scheduled and uh, you can't really go in thinking, you know, one team's going to blow us out of the park or we're going to blow them away. You know, you just go in each game, knowing our game plan and expect, you know, that they're going to deliver their best.
3: And Tally, I wanted to ask you what else you're doing away from the game. I mean, I know you've obviously just starting in in your professional career. I know you do a bit of work at the club, you know, in the community team there. What sort of stuff are you doing away from the game?
15: Yeah, I think this season I've just been really taking this opportunity and um, putting everything into the footy um, as much time as possible. But yeah, I'm working at the club once a week and um, I'm using my you know, networking to get in touch with a few different um, wealth companies and wealth management just to get a bit of insight into those companies as it's something I want to pursue. Um, and I'm heading back into uni next year, I reckon.
3: Fantastic. Well, great to talk to you, Tali. Well done again on the Rising Star nomination. Great reward for effort so far. And best of luck for, for this weekend. And obviously uh, the finals beyond that. Really appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Great. Thank
15: you so much.
3: It's Tyre
2: Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Tyre Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit tyrepower.com.au
18: now.